evening church. Tonight's Bible reading comes from John chapter 5 verses 16 to 47. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honour the son just as they honour the father. Whoever does not honour the son does not honour the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favour, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was the lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Happy Father's Day. It's a great passage for today, but it's not a Father's Day message, really. It's not about fatherhood. It's about Jesus. So it's got eternal relevance for all of us. And it is a, a wonderful passage. I, I, I realized just listening to it then that it's quite a long passage, but the, the message in itself is quite clear and, and easy for us to grasp. So today's passage is all about Jesus. It's all about him. 
And when we hear about Christianity, some people say that it's just one of many religions. Maybe they're quite a tolerant person and think, you know what, I don't care what you believe in. It can be Jesus, Allah, Buddha, just, it's, it's all you. Just, I don't need religion. I don't have any guilt. I don't need forgiving. You do you. Others of us would say, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I go to home groups. Uh, I feel like I, I'm a generally good person, but when it comes to our faith, it's one of convenience rather than commitment. We're more likely to just go with the faith when it suits us. We don't take our holiness seriously. Holiness seems to be something for those extra spiritual people, not, not for us. We, we lust a bit here, have a bit of greed here, a bit of lie here. Our sin just isn't that big of a deal. But today's passage ought to confront us. It confronts us with a person of Jesus. It's not an idea, not a philosophy, not some economic or political system to fix the world. We are confronted with the person of Jesus and his claims. He's claimed to be the Son of God. He claims to be equal with God, with the authority to judge and to give life. It's not something that you can just dismiss as good teaching or some good ideas about how to live your life. If someone knocked on your door one day and you open it to find there's a woman there and she looks vaguely familiar, but um, then she says, I'm your sister. You've never met me before, but I I was separated at a very young age and I was lost, but now I've come home. You couldn't say, that's nice, good for you, and close the door. No, you would, you would find out. You would ask your parents. You would check hospital records, maybe get a blood test. Or you could dismiss her and ignore exact, everything she said and be like, nah, nah, that can't be true. But you cannot say, that's nice. And Jesus' claims today leave no room for us to say, he's just a good teacher. That's nice. Today's passage continues in our gospel, in, through the series of uh, the Gospel of John. And last week we heard about, uh, Lachlan preached about how Jesus healed the man uh, on the Sabbath. He healed a man who had been disabled for 38 years. And, and it was a big deal to heal on the Sabbath. This was a big no-no in their culture, in their religion. It's sort of the equivalent, well, in one sense, like burning the national flag. It's just, you don't do it. It's offensive. And so that's where we begin our passage here. Verse 16, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And Jesus uses this as an opportunity to reveal who he is. He says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. The Jewish leaders have no doubt about what Jesus is claiming here. They're, They're offended. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus wasn't just breaking the Sabbath. He was calling God his own father and making himself equal with God. That's a big claim. When we think of the, the relationships of, of sons and fathers, it can be a bit strange because we have all these different ideas of it. Sometimes it's one of missed expectations or even just of critical comments. Uh, it's hard to imagine what a son and father relationship between Jesus and the father might be like. 
um, the Australian psychologist and um, parents educator Stephen Bidoff, he does these seminars for parents around the world. It's sort of like uh, a TED talk in school halls packed out with parents, parents who are there to learn about parenting. Uh, I've been to one, uh, and I, I need to learn how to be a parent. Um, but uh, he, he addresses the, the parents, and he has this part where he addresses just the dads. Uh, and he asks them this, this question. Um, what's your relationship like with your dad? It's like he threw a grenade into the audience. It's just stunned silence. And after some discussion and prompting, you, you get this pattern. Regardless of where he does this seminar, he tells that there's this pattern. There's three main groups of responses. Uh, out of a room of 100 dads, you'll have 30 who will say, I have no relationship with him. I don't want to know him. They're basically estranged from their dads. And then uh, the next 30 uh, in the group were, would say, I have a relationship with him. I, I, I see him on, on birthdays, Christmas and Easter. Uh, but it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit prickly. Before I get to the door, he'll make some comment about my, my haircut. Uh, and so then the, the sons, they learn to stick to some safer topics. So what, what's a safer topic for, for sons and dads to talk about? Lawnmowers. It's like, oh, so I got, a, I got a lawnmower the other day, Dad. Oh, the ground begins to shake. What's the dad going to say? Um, what, what brand of lawnmower did you get? Oh, I got a, I got a Victor. Rubbish. Waste of money. It's like you just cut your legs from under you and you're, you're back to being an eight-year-old. So they have a relationship with their dad, but it's cactus. And so you've got uh, estranged, bad cactus relationship. And then this, this third group, uh, out of 100, this final 30 would say, um, yeah, I, I have a great relationship with my dad. I, I see him every fourth Sunday of the month at the retirement home. Uh, I call him every, every Sunday at 20 past three. It's very regular. And there's that clue, that word regular. Uh, it's, a, it's one out of duty. Uh, it's not really thriving, is it? Uh, and so when, when guys gather to talk about their dads, uh, you know, at the pub or, or at dinner, uh, there's one guy who's been quiet this whole time. It's like, oh, you, you haven't said anything. And he says, yes, you're right. I've been silent. Because um, as I listened, I realized... My relationship with my dad, it's, it's just different. My old man is amazing. He's like, I can't imagine a better dad. He's, he's my friend. I can talk to him about anything, any problems I have, I can come to him with it. It's, it's like we don't always agree, but I know that he's always on my side. I can't imagine what life would be like without him. That's one in ten who will have a great relationship with their dads. And in our own experiences, in talking to others, this, this seems to be about right. Not many of us have great relationships with our dads. One in ten. And here we have Jesus and God the Father. It's more than just one in ten. We have a one in infinity sort of relationship. Jesus has a perfect relationship with the Father. It's one of perfect harmony. And it's just so foreign for us to think about this relationship. But that's the relationship that Jesus, the Son of God, has with God the Father. And let's just be clear. We might be mistaken to think that Jesus and God the Father, oh, they must just be the same person. You know, they're both God, so Jesus and the Father, they're the same. Well, that, that would be uh, wrong. 
And the other way we might get it wrong is say that Jesus is the, the Son of God. So that must mean that God the Father created the, the Son. Jesus became God when, when he was born. No, Jesus uh, is very clear in, in talking about his divinity that he, he's neither created nor is he the same as the Father. He's distinct, but he is equal. He, he was sent into the world. It's, it's actually got a, a name because it's such a big deal. These are, we call them heresies, and the official name is modalism and Arianism. They're, they're heresies because to get them wrong, it's not just a difference of opinion. It's like jumping out of an airplane with a blanket rather than a parachute. It's, it's pretty wrong. Uh, and so just, when Jesus claims to be uh, equal with God the Father, he's not claiming to be the same. He's claiming to be uh, equal, just distinct as God the Son. And so Jesus and God the Father have this perfect relationship. It's like one of the, from eternity to eternity, where they're on the same page, they understand one another, they desire the same things, they, they just have this life-giving, self-giving, it's beautiful, something that's just so perfect. And here Jesus begins to describe a bit of what that's like in verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you. Whenever you see very truly I tell you, that's the version of too long, didn't read, this is the main thing. If you remember one thing, remember this. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus is all about the will of the father. He is all about what God desires. And then he goes on to list just all these ways that Jesus is about God's business, um, desiring the same things. Verses 20 to, to 23, he says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does, yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And I'll just skip forward there um, to break it up for you there. It says, For the Father loves the Son, and the Father shows him all he does, that Jesus does. And then verse 21, For just as a father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. It's ridiculous how close the father and the son are. They're, it's, they're just so close. Whatever the father is about, the son is about. It leaves no room for us to just say Jesus is a good teacher or that he is one of many ways to God. That's, that's not on the table here. It's, you can't dismiss what Jesus has just said here. It's, it's jarring to think that. If I come home and Mel is at the tables with her head in her hands, just stressed and exhausted from a hard day, and she's telling me about it on the verge of tears, my response should be something along the lines of, it looks like you've had a hard day. Tell me about it. It would be jarring and completely wrong for me to ignore everything she's told me and go, oh, don't worry about it. Have you, seen, have you looked outside? It's a great day. It just dismisses everything that has been said. To call Jesus a good teacher or just uh, someone who will give you good ethics is to dismiss what he has just said about who he is. He says he is the Son of God who has a unique relationship with the Father. 
And so verses 24 and 27, he tells us something else about him. Once again, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Verse 27, he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. There is a judgment. It's a bit scary. And Jesus will be that judge. Earlier this year, I actually went to the Sutherland local court for the first time. I was disputing a, uh, a, a council fine. I stopped in a no-stopping zone, apparently. And uh, this was my first time in the law courts. It's really, it's, it's a daunting place. It's not a friendly place to be. I'm not a lawyer. I've never been there. Uh, and so I go there. I register my name. And uh, then I, I find the courtroom I'm supposed to be in. And I meet the, the magistrate. Well, I don't, actually. I sit in the bench and I wait. Uh, and all these lawyers in their fancy suits come up, make their statements. And I'm like, do I go do that? Others come in. They're obviously not lawyers. They go up to the person on the side and the person's like, shh, shh, go, go sit down. Um, they're getting dismissed. And I'm like, what do I do? I'm, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do here. Finally, they get to the calling out names. They call out my name. And even though I was so confident, before coming to the courts. That's why I was going to the courts. I was like, I did nothing wrong. I've got the Rangers photos here. Uh, I, I'm super confident I, I'm, I'm okay here. Before the, this judge, she asked questions just so aggressively and so quickly before I could even think. I thought, maybe I am guilty. Are they about to send me to jail? But uh, thankfully, that's not what happened. But then after that first courtroom, they sent me to another courtroom. Uh, this judge was more intimidating than the first. See, that first one was, I learned, just a magistrate. That's like the pre-screening judge, like the trials before the Olympics. I felt like I had jumped out of the frying pan into, into the fire. This second courtroom, the, the two defendants before me, one was a guy who, who had his lawyer with him talking for him, and, and the judge, no leniency, straight to business. It's like, no, uh, you will pay the $10,000 for injuries sustained to the victim. I'm like, wow, what courtroom am, am I in? And then the, the second guy was just disputing a, a speeding fine. I'm like, oh, I'm in the right courtroom. And no leniency again. Um, and here I am, just with my, my folder of photos I printed off at home, about to, to be, uh, plead my case to this judge. I have never felt so powerless and vulnerable. All I could do was plead my case and see if the judge would have mercy. But we're, we're not going to be judged by a human judge. We are going to be coming before the judge of all creation. And Jesus will be that judge. And there is no doubt about what that judgment looks like. It will be either going to death or eternal life. The Bible is unequivocal about who gets judged and, and what that conclusion is. Romans 3.23 says... All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not that judge. We don't get to determine what is right and what is wrong. God is the only judge. Verse 27, we read, He has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Son of Man is another title Jesus has for himself. He will be that judge. He has the authority, the ability to judge and to give life. He has the authority to judge and to give life. Verse 26, he says, For as the Father 
has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Social media, media, magazines, music, all of it tells us, your life belongs to you. Do with it whatever you want. It's your life. You do you. But that is a lie. Your life does not belong to you. You did not invent it. You were handed it. You were given it. You will give an account for your life before God at the end of your days. And Jesus will be that judge. So this past week and a bit, I've had a broken washing machine. Uh, There it is. And thanks to the University of YouTube, I took it apart and I'm waiting for a a new part to, to arrive. The chances of it working again are fairly slim. Uh, and so if I need a new washing machine, uh, I'll be going to you know, Google reviews to find out all about washing machines. But not only that, I'll also check out some blog sites about you know, what to look for in a washing machine. I might check out a YouTube video. Uh, but I'm still not confident. I'll also ask a friend about you know, what brand of washing machine do, do you use. Yeah. In a similar way, Jesus' claims to be the Son of God, he gives us multiple witnesses to who he is. He gives us a fourfold testimony. He tells us from John the Baptist, from his works, his miracles, from uh, the Father, and also the Scriptures, all testify that Jesus is the Son of God. So firstly, verse 33, he says, You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Firstly, John the Baptist, back in John chapter 1, Verses 32 to 34, it says, Then John gave this testimony and talks about how he saw the Spirit come on Jesus. Verse 34, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Jesus calls John uh, the lamp. So for a time, he is directing our attention to the true light of the world. John is just a witness to the true light of the world that is Jesus. So that's our first testimony and then verse 36 we have our second testimony i have testimony weightier than that of john for the works that the father has given me to finish the very works that i'm doing testify that the father has sent me this second testimony are jesus's miracles as we've journeyed through the gospel of john we've seen him heal the royal official's son we just last week he healed the paralyzed man Uh, these are works of god John himself, um, in the gospel, in chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We have John the Baptist, we have Jesus' miracles, the signs of his divinity, And next we have um, the Father, verse 37. The Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. And Matthew 3.17 says it there. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It doesn't get any more direct than that. It's who is Jesus? The Son of God. How do you know? The Father testifies that Jesus is his Son. It's, there's a scene in, in Spider-Man uh, where he is 
been out doing his Spider-Man stuff. He climbs through his bedroom window to avoid detection in his Spider-Man costume. He goes along the, the ceiling, just crawling, and then he uses his web to close the door so his auntie, auntie May doesn't notice. But unknown to Spider-Man, Tom Holland, is that his friend Ned has been sitting on the bed the whole time watching this unfold before him. So he puts it all together, the costume crawling on the ceiling, the web slinging, and he says, you, you're the Spider-Man from YouTube. This is the moment where it all comes together. All the evidence shows that Jesus is the Son of God. It, it's, Jesus is the Son of God throughout all of eternity. He is the one that has been sent from the Father. The Spirit descended on him. John the Baptist testifies. The Father himself testifies. And so, so far we have Jesus, the Son of God, who's been given authority to judge, to give life. And Jesus goes one further. He gives one more testimony, and it's as a rebuke to the religious leaders before him. In verses 39 to 40, he says, You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. The scriptures, all of it, all of this testifies to Jesus. From, from Genesis to Malachi, Matthew to Revelation, all of it. It's like a, a puzzle, all the pieces coming together in a puzzle. All of it revolves around Jesus. And so the Pharisees and the scribes before him, what, what their problem was, it wasn't one of ignorance. It wasn't one of just oh, this overcomplicating a problem. They were ignoring Jesus before them. They didn't acknowledge that, that Jesus was the Son of God, and it was all because of their hearts. Verses 41 to 42 gives us clues into their hearts. Jesus says, I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. The religious leaders had an emptiness to God. They hid behind their intellectual excuses, but the problem was their hearts. They loved their ideas about God rather than loving God. They loved their ideas about God rather than loving God. So Jesus is the Son of God. He has authority to judge and to give life. If that's the case for us, if we believe that, it means that we have crossed over from death to life. It means that our lives are no longer lived in, in this way. We're, we're not long, no longer living in death. We're living in life that Jesus gives. It means the direction of our lives is completely different. It's, it's not just eternal life in terms of living infinity years. It's a quality of life. It's a direction of our life. And what direction is it heading in? Verse 44 gives us a clue into that. How can you believe, since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? These religious leaders were accepting glory from one another. They found their status and meaning in life from one another. They, they, they were seeking the glory of man rather than the glory of God. You've probably heard the saying, family is the most important thing in life. And there's some truth to that. We never want to sacrifice family for, for work or career or achievement, at the end of our days, our family will always stick by us. Or maybe you've heard the other saying, health is wealth. And 
there's truth to that as well. You can't buy your health. Be grateful for your physical and mental well-being. These are important things. But here in the Bible and what Jesus says is that the most important thing is not health, it's not family. The most important thing is the glory from God. This glory from God is the most important thing. We have a, something called the Westminster Catechism that says the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So if we have stepped into eternal life, the direction of our life is different. It's all about the glory from God. What does this glory look like? Well, it's the, the presence of God in our life. It's the fruit of the Spirit demonstrating itself. It's loving others as Jesus has loved us. It's a transformed life. It's having God's character demonstrated in our life. It's having his Spirit live in us and, and seeing how we can be a blessing to the world. And the glory that comes from God is one that reflects on, on who he is. This is the glory that comes from God. So, so how are we doing? Do we have hearts that, that are seeking after God's glory? Or, or do we seek the glory of man? Have we started to drift in our faith? Do, do we still love God? Do we care more about our reputation and what others think of us? Or do we care about growing in godly character? I certainly feel this sometimes. I have the desire to glorify God, to seek his glory, but there's this attractive pull of being liked by others. You know, everyone Doesn't everyone want to be liked and appreciated and known? But our sin distorts these desires to seek it from the glory of man and others, to seek approval from man rather than to know the acceptance and love and to be known by God. Even as I preach, I need, to, I need to be praying, God, it's not about me, it's about your glory. So what does it look like to seek the glory from God during lockdown? Because we don't have the physical gathering, those structures in place that encourage us in this direction. What will it look like for us to, to seek the glory from God? Well, it means that we have to be so intentional and disciplined during this time. It means we have to be thinking, what does it mean for God's character to be shown in my life? What does it mean for me to be a blessing to the world around me at this point in time? Well, let's ask ourselves some of these questions. What does my worship look like right now? Am I enjoying the presence of God? Am I enjoying prayer with him? And also now, now that I'm not on a roster... What does it mean to serve those around me, to serve my neighbor, to serve my family, to serve my friend? And, and now that you know, I don't have the Sunday gathering where I meet people, what does it mean to reach out to people that I'm used to seeing each week? And also, where's our heart at? Are we letting sin grow in our heart or are we cutting it off and repenting and coming before God and submitting all of ourselves to him? We need to be seeking the glory that comes from God, not the glory from man. Have a faith of commitment rather than one of convenience. Seek the better thing. The better thing is, is like if we have the ocean, don't settle for a splash in a pothole. And, you know, there's real maple syrup. Don't go for maple-flavored syrup. 
you know, we want the freedom and acceptance of God, not getting trapped in seeking the approval of others. Christianity is not a nice religion. It's not about your preferences. It's, it's not about what you think about God. It's all about the Son of God and His glory. The religious leaders, they knew the Scriptures, but they couldn't recognize who the Scriptures were talking about. They, they loved their ideas about God rather than loving God. They rejected Jesus, not because they didn't know enough, but because their hearts had no love for God. If we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we have crossed over from death to life, we have a new life. If we believe that he is the one with authority to judge and to give life, our life will be in a different direction. Having crossed from death to life, we now seek after not man's glory, but the glory of God. So let me end with these questions. Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you love God? And are you seeking the glory that comes from God? Let me pray. Father, you are eternal and perfect. You are holy and righteous. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus into the world to live, to reveal who you are to us, and to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you that this is the good news, that we will not face judgment if we believe in him. Lord, we pray that we would be people who seek after your glory, not seeking after man's approval. Guide us by your spirit in how to do this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now as we sing our next song, it's a declaration of what we believe. Sing it as a, as a praise, as we glorify God through our words, that our God is Father, Son, and Spirit.